Good Morning Liberty. Well, what is going on, all of our Liberty-loving friends? Welcome back to another fantastic episode of the Good Morning Liberty podcast. I'm one of the hosts here, Charles Chuck Too Tall Stuck Thompson. With me, as always, the one who knows just about everything there is to know, including breaking news, Mr. Nathaniel, the Paul Thurston. Hello, Charlie. Thank you for having <laughs> me on the podcast once again today. Hello, friends. I really appreciate it. How's your Wednesday going so far, man? It's going great. Uh, there is some sad news, despite yeah. what you think of any human being. We're against death on this podcast, mm-hmm. and we do have a sad death to announce, uh, if you have not heard. Go ahead. Um, that's John McAfee, found dead in Spanish prison. Mm. So, not a whole lot of news on this, although there were several tweets that McAfee or his wife had put out under his account. We don't, we're not for sure exactly who was tweeting, whether it was him or, or his people that, uh, he would not commit suicide. So if he was taken out, someone else did it. Yeah. Or if he died and someone else did it. So if they tried to say it was suicide, it wasn't true. Yeah. So do you want to tell everyone the very, official news story here? Very interesting. Yeah, we'll get to that. But first I want to say that you need to subscribe mm. to this podcast. Maybe even become a Patreon supporter. It's not an ad. But we're just asking if you want to, if you wanted to put your money where your mouth was mm-hmm. and hang out live with us and drive the conversation. These people control the podcast here. They control everything mm-hmm. unless we don't want them to. <laughs> and if you want to do that, then you can go to patreoncom slash good morning. Liberty. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good idea. We talk about life, liberty, and the pursuit of meaning. And sometimes we talk about sad things like death and we're completely against that because we're for life. Mm-hmm. So we don't like death. This coming from this one coming from CoinDesk, obviously, because McAfee was big into crypto. Uh, John McAfee found dead in Spanish prison. John McAfee, the controversial software magnet and crypto booster, has reportedly died by suicide in a prison in Barcelona, according to Spanish newspaper El Pais. So, um, controversial because he um, is a libertarian and a staunch. Anarcho-capitalist, I'm yeah. pretty sure. Also, maybe a little crazy. Also, a little weird. Yeah, I mean, he done he did some strange things mm-hmm. by consent, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, he, I think he was also accused of some other things, not by consent. Um, so He's, there's a long list of there's a long things. list of very yeah. yeah things that maybe he should have gone to prison for. We don't know. He he wasn't. He wasn't guilty of any of those in a court of law. I watched the Dateline on him, actually, not too long ago. One of their new Datelines was about John McAfee and uh, thinking that maybe he had killed one of his neighbors and and fled. You know, that's one of the Mm -hmm. things that he was on the run for for there for a little bit. And um, I'll tell you what, he was an interesting guy. I think he was also accused of uh, sex with minors as well, I Mm -hmm. believe. So, But anyway. You know, just... it. Despite those accusations, he's obviously a big part of the libertarian community. In essence, of course, he ran for the libertarian presidential nominee uh, in 2016. He's also ran a few times before that, I believe. Um, and he was a very much a, a liberty type of guy. Now, of course, there are things that we potentially that he did we don't agree with, but it's still sad when someone dies uh, because regardless, uh, life uh, should be protected. That's why I don't, I don't know about you. I don't believe in capital punishment, like no. the death penalty. Um, I think if you do something wrong, you should go to prison, but we shouldn't be allowed to kill you. And he said repeatedly that 
if it was suicide, then he didn't do it. He wasn't going to kill himself, that he was fine. So he was, uh, McAfee was awaiting extradition to the U.S. for tax fraud, which the Spanish High Court authorized just this morning. Mm. Everything indicates that it could be a death by suicide, the Catalan Department of Justice said in a statement. According to an October 2020 indictment by the Justice Department, McAfee earned millions in income from promoting cryptocurrencies, consulting work, speaking engagements, and selling the rights to his life story for a documentary. During an extradition hearing earlier this month, McAfee claimed that the extradition efforts were politically motivated. He faced a total of 10 years in prison for allegedly cheating his way out of $4 million. And... Cheating his way out of $4 million. Cheating his way. That he somehow just owed the government. Uh, magically. Yeah. Now, <laughs> that, that's ridiculous. That is gross. I mean, he's in that whatever the cause is here, and he said several times that it wasn't going to be suicide. Whatever the cause is here, this is, be, this is going to end up being because he, he owed the government $4 million, apparently. And so that's really terrible. We have this tweet that someone posted in the group. This is John McAfee tweeting on... October 15th of 2020. I know I believe his wife was running his Twitter account after he got arrested. I don't know which one this was right here. He said, I'm content in here. I have friends. The food is good. All is well. Know that if I hang myself a la Epstein, it will be no fault of mine. So he was actually worried about this happening. And then we have the other one too. I'll put up here on screen. He actually got a tattoo because he was, he was kind of worried that this was actually going to happen, it seems like. And uh, he said, getting subtle messages from U.S. officials saying, in effect, we're coming for you, McAfee. We're going, we're going to kill yourself. I got a tattoo today just in case. If I suicide myself, I didn't. I was whacked. Check out my right arm. And on his right arm, he got a tattoo that says, whacked. Dollar sign, schwacked, I guess. Schwacked. I don't know if that's supposed to be an S or not. Schwack him. So he was, uh, it seems like he was a little concerned that this is something that could possibly happen. Yeah. And I don't know if the government just wasn't aware of the fact that he had already been telling his supporters that he would not kill himself and that there was no way that this was going to happen. Uh, but they either did it anyway, or he didn't hold true to his word right there. I don't know. Or he pretended to kill himself and he's going to bust out of the coffin here on a yeah, maybe Transport we'll see him. We'll, we'll see him somewhere in, yeah. in Barcelona here soon. I, I'm yeah, not really Stone, sure. Stone Steve said that, um, I guess the minor, he says, was a prostitute and he didn't ask her age. Yeah, and that's the thing. I, I just wanted to mention that because a lot of people are going to be like, oh, well, he's a terrible guy, deserves to die anyway. It's like, well, we don't know. There are a lot of things alleged against him that haven't been proven in court. And in this great country, you're innocent until proven guilty. And, and, but I also obviously don't condone, um, uh, having sex with minors. So <laughs> just in case anyone was yeah, in wondering, case was not, wondering, in, not I, in favor no, of it. That's not, okay. I'm not in favor All of something right. like that. So, I got you. so, um, I, I don't condone that, that behavior. Um, but, but we don't know exactly all of those personal things. We do know he's admitted to having some. Interesting fantasies, to mm. say the least. He was a real interesting guy, <laughs> real for Real sure. interesting guy. Uh, but but that, no, what I was getting at is none of that really matters. Um, what matters is, is that he was being extradited by the U.S. government for tax evasion and fraud and somehow cheating his way out of $4 million. That's what it's called was, whenever you want to keep your own money. When you yeah. want to keep your own money and not have it stolen from you, it's called cheating, cheating mm -hmm. your way out, mm -hmm. and, uh, which, which is quite disgusting. Plus, well, whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, 
And so they, they put him in prison. Uh, I believe he was first in prison in Central America somewhere, wasn't he? I don't and then know. Made it, made it to Europe or something. I, I really have no idea. I feel like he's been on the run for a long time since mm-hmm. his presidential bid in 2016. He was on the run at that time. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> but he did yeah. show up for one of the debates, didn't did, he? I, he was. I only saw him uh, over the intranets. I'm not sure. Was he ever okay. actually in country for any of those libertarian debates? I feel did like you guys he was. See? I feel like he was on stage for one of them. He might have been the first one, perhaps. But well, anyway, um, still sad when someone dies. So, I guess we'll see. If he's dead. I guess we'll see. I need to tweet Mac if he didn't kill himself, actually, while I'm thinking about it. Yeah. And we need to make sure that we, uh, we get that word out there. So one of the other big news things that happened politically, uh, something that happened politically, was the Senate, the GOP Senate side, has decided that they're going to filibuster the For the People Act. Now, the For the People Act is the Voting Rights Act and... Technically, what it is is the federal government coming over the top of the states and setting a whole bunch of election rules and saying that they can't set any rules. And, and so they decided they were going to filibuster it. Now, that doesn't mean that they stood up and talked for 25 hours or anything like that. What they basically do now is say, we're going to filibuster this and you need to end up getting 60 votes to actually break it. And man, I've seen some people's heads explode on the, mm-hmm. on the internet so far. And one, one guy in particular from MSNBC, what I imagine, because he posted this at 4.30 a.m., I imagine him like up like in his, in his tiny apartment, you know, just in his underwear, bawling his eyes out and yelling, probably silently also, because he didn't want to spread COVID anywhere or anything like that, and while he was like anger typing this entire article. It was actually pretty funny. And so I wanted to get through some of the ideas on this, because apparently... Uh, this means that you're against you're against democracy if you don't want to enact all of these changes, which apparently means that I don't know that would mean that we don't have a valid president right now because I feel like the previous election, uh, you know, the guy apparently got over 80 million votes and was elected uh, duly by the states and is the president right now. But apparently, if you don't support the changes in this act then you actually want to stop democracy, even though what that would do is just kind of... Anyway, who, who knows? I don't know. So the GOP filibuster of the For the People Act shows that they're afraid to debate voting rights. He says, I don't know how much more bluntly I can say this. The filibuster, which we'll need to think and talk about the filibuster here a little bit. The filibuster isn't a protector of democracy. It's not the last bastion of tyranny of the majority. It's a tool of cowards. Okay, so it actually is. Mm. It kind of is a protection of tyranny of the majority, by the way, because you end up needing to have like a supermajority to get the things done that the, that the GOP is wanting to filibuster right here. It goes on to say, let's be clear. Tuesday's vote in the Senate wasn't about passing the For the People Act. It wasn't even the vote to begin the process of discussing amending the bill. The vote was the first of two steps. So basically, this was a vote asking the Senate to to debate the For the People Act, to start bringing it up. They killed it. They squashed it before they even started talking about it, which I'm happy about, honestly. And what we have to make sure we're asking ourselves is do we like the fact that they use the filibuster in this right now because it's something that we don't agree with, or do we always agree with the Senate using the filibuster? Is that something that we would want them to have in their toolbox all the time, or should it be taken out? Maybe we won't like it when the Democrats are filibustering the the magical, mythical Republican uh, 
tax, uh, uh, the bill that's just going to kill all taxes or the bill that's just going to do whatever, and they're going to filibuster it. We're not going to get it. And then we're going to say that we hate the filibuster or something like that. So just make sure that you know where you stand on whether or not the Senate should be able to do this. They said, uh, in a world that makes sense, Vice President Kamala Harris, who presides over the Senate, would have broken the resulting 50-50 tie. But because of the filibuster, the world's greatest deliberative body was silenced in the name of unlimited debate. Did you, hang on, did you read that previous paragraph? I didn't read the whole thing, though. Okay, because I thought that was important that goes against his title, by the way. What, uh, which part? The, the part that... The part that they were filibustering, which is the first step. Mm-hmm. So, so the vote that they were filibustering wasn't even to vote for the act itself. It was the first step in the process, which is asking the Senate to end debate. And by the, Repu- the Republicans filibustering that is saying, well, we don't want to end the debate on this. Yeah. But, but it says that they're afraid to, de- they're afraid to debate voting rights. No, yeah. they're not. They're, they want to debate it some more. They don't <laughs> want to go to, they don't want to bring it to the floor and, and have it up for debate. They wanted to stay in, in a committee and for it to be debated on yeah. before it's brought to the floor. It's not ready. What they're saying, this bill's too young. They're trying to debate this train before it even gets on so, the track. So he basically contradicts himself, which I thought was hilarious. I didn't catch that part. Yeah. yeah. I, I just thought it was completely hilarious from, from his title. He completely contradicts himself. Well, I've never seen that before. There's no way yeah, anyone would ever do there's that. There's no way. I've got a hilarious contradictory tweet here in a second from Brooklyn Dad Defiant talking about this. So he said, in a world that makes sense, VP Kamala Harris would have been able to break a tie. Like, that's the world that makes sense, is a slim majority should be able to control the minority. That's the world that makes sense. But because of the filibuster, they weren't able to do that. 60 yes votes, just 10 from Republicans were required to break the impasse. Zero Republicans obliged. What was most galling about this whole shadow play is how, this is in the shadows, right? We have no idea this happened. (laughs) About this whole shadow play is how unnecessary any of it was. It would have cost the the Republicans nothing to allow debate on the bill to proceed and then kill it before final passage or even filibustering the final vote. This was simply a GOP flex, a reminder that even though they're in the minority, they can still effectively set the Senate's agenda. I love someone on the left making the argument that, that the worst thing here is that the minority has a say in what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's what he's so mad about, is that the minority could have a voice in this entire situation. Yeah, yeah. That's why he's so angry. That's a, that's a shame. Ah, democracy is tyranny. It also served as a reminder that as much as Democrats rightly com- complain about Republican obstruction, well, they, ri- they <laughs> rightly complain about they it. Have, and they never obstruct or anything. Right. They, they've never used a filibuster before. That's, there's no way that's ever happened. They have the ability to break the log jam. But as of now, there aren't the 50 votes necessary to amend the Senate rule that empowers the filibuster. So what he's saying is the Democrats are also cowards because they could get rid of the filibuster if they wanted to, and they're not doing it. So then he goes to uh, Kristen Sinema, a Democrat from Arizona, who is defending the filibuster, and he, uh, he, he talked about what she said in an op-ed to the WAPO. Okay, here's what Kristen Sinema said, and just let's check and see if this makes sense, because it might. To those who want to, remember, she's a Democrat for trying to protect the filibuster. To those who want to eliminate the legislative filibuster to expand health care access or retirement benefits, 
Would it be good for our country if we did only later see the legislation replace see that legislation replaced by legislation dividing Medicaid into block grants, slashing earned Social Security and Medicare benefits, or def- or defunding women's reproductive health services? To those who want to eliminate the filibuster to empower federal agencies to better protect the environment or strengthen education, would it be good for our country if we did? Only see federal agencies and programs shrunk, starved of resources, or abolished a few years from now. So what she's saying is, if we do this, they can do this, okay? And so we just need to agree to not do this. Because it doesn't matter if we get rid of the filibuster right now and we ran through what we want. What happens? When someone else is in charge, then they're just going to block us from doing it. They're going to end up getting rid of the filibuster and they'll be able to do whatever they want. Well, there won't be a filibuster rule anymore. It's like it she's, won't be a procedure. Yeah, it'll be gone. They'll have the, what's that called? The nuclear option or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so she's actually thinking into the future here and saying, well, we're not always going to be in power. We're not always going to have Strange a little bit of a minority. how she has That's weird. that mindset. So he doesn't like this argument either, okay? The, the, the vacillation, that's a, that's a word, the vacillation between extremes and lawmaking based on the voters' whims is something the founders feared, especially in the House of Representatives, which has always been directly elected by the people. And the Constitution does include certain checks on the Senate that allow for more reasoned debate. Senate terms are longer in the, ho- than in the House and staggered so that only one-third of the body is up for re-election in any given national election. Senators were also originally chosen by state legislatures, which kept them a step removed from the masses. Cinema's arguments, and this is where he has an issue with what Kristen Cinema said, Cinema's arguments depend on Democrats passing their agenda and then losing elections precisely because they pass their agenda. Her essay is one that, that po- posits that voters can't tell good ideas from bad ones and will punish officials who pass partisan laws no matter how effective. Does it's, he realize so what he's thinking is that the what? president of the United States from 2016 to 2020 was Donald Trump? <laughs> Hillary what? Clinton lost to Donald Trump. His, of all people, his argument is if we pass the things that we want to pass, there's no way we're going to lose. <laughs> That's, yeah. That's his argument. That's how much he believes. He's saying it. this is a terrible argument because if we actually do these things, we'll never lose again. Man. I love him trying to fight tyranny like this. That's so good. Mm-hmm. What up, A-Ron? A- I haven't seen him in the group here in a little bit. Man, I thought he left us. He's here. A-Ron. A- okay, then he says that, they're, that she's also implying that voters can't tell good ideas from bad ones and will punish ideas, who, uh, officials who pass partisan laws. Uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I'm not sure that voters can actually tell good ideas from bad ones, to tell you the truth. No. It's saying that the status quo, where almost nothing can get done in Congress without Herculean effort and an inevitable drift to the right in the negotiating process is preferable to any progress. So he's saying that she's saying that gridlock is better than Congress getting something done, which it is, which is one of the main reasons I want the filibuster to stay in place. I love it. Because it stops Congress from doing things, and I kind of prefer it that way. Okay. By the way, you know they've made it easier to stop the filibuster comparatively. So the the filibuster has basically been um in place since the beginning. Now it wasn't a part of the constitution, um so it's not the original version, 
But uh, its emergence was made possible in 1806 when the Senate, at the advice of Vice President Aaron Barr, removed from its rules a provision formerly known as the previous question motion, allowing a simple majority to force a vote on the underlying question being debated. This decision was not a strategic or political one. It was a simply housekeeping matter as the Senate was using the motion infrequently and had other motions available to it that did the same thing. So they, they used to call a motion called the previous question motion. Um, and they just remove that. And basically it's called a filibuster now. So rather than having a motion, they have to file what's called a cloture. And uh, that, that ends the filibuster, so to speak. So filibuster is kind of there by default if there's not unanimous consent. What, um, um, they have to file a, a cloture and then they have to have 60 votes of that. Now, it used to be more than that, by the way. Um, it used to be, let me see here, uh, more recently in 1975, the number of votes needed to invoke cloture on legislative matters was reduce, reduced to three-fifths. It used to be a two-thirds majority. It used mm. to have 66. Mm. 67. I don't and then remember. part of another person. Yeah. Yeah. It used to have, uh, used to have to have 66 or 67. Then it reduced to three fifths, which is only 60. So now it's less anyway. One thing, so, one reason I think the filibuster is important is because he mentions in the article, the states used to pick who the senators were. Mm-hmm. And that's a little bit different because then the states are getting their representation in Congress, which is the way that it should be. And now that the states, now we have, it was supposed to be one body that was elected by the people representing the people, and then one body that was representing the states. And Le- so the elected pe- by elected, the states. And, and that they would have, the people's representatives would have their vote, and then the states would have their vote, and then those, thing, those things would all have to align, and then the president signs it. But now we have two bodies that are elected by the people, by popular vote, and so they're, they're kind of... I don't, they have different rules that govern them in the way that they can actually get the laws through, but we definitely need to get it back to where the states were picking. And then we could talk a little bit more about the filibuster, I guess. But for right now, I'd like the filibuster being in place because I want the states to have a say in this. And if we're not going to have the states having a say in this, well, then I think we need to have 60 votes instead of 51. In fact, I'd like to just make everything 60 votes. You know, just do that, everything 60 votes. I think that would be a pretty good idea. And you'd say, well, but then they'd never get anything done. Exactly. There you go. There's the, there's the thing. I brought in something that would have been in dumb bleep, but we're talking about this right now. Okay. Brooklyn dad defiant. Oh, love this guy. This guy right here. Breaking the GOP filibustered the debate on the For the People Act. And then get this next line. They just voted against democracy. <laughs> I'm going to read that last line again. They just voted against democracy. It's, it's, a, it's a weird time we live in where you get to vote against democracy, <laughs> isn't it? That's a pretty weird one. I don't know. Anyway, I just thought that that was pretty dumb. They democratically voted <laughs> against democracy. <laughs> democracy is where everyone gets a vote. I didn't even get, get, I didn't get yeah. that at first. No, they voted against democracy. <laughs> Well, man. (laughs) And how is not, like, how is not having this For the People Act pass anyway against democracy? The things talking about, first off, it's not even saying that everywhere in the country we're going to have 
IDs for voting or anything. It's just saying if states want to have a voter ID or some type of identification, then they can do that. Okay, well, people can get IDs. Maybe we work on a system where everyone can get IDs a whole lot easier and your tax money covers that or something like that. There's a lot of ways that you can make this not do anything to harm the voting process whatsoever. We've only had the massive mail-in ballots since last year. Well, Nate, I don't think you understand. Yeah, you're right. As Amanda says, it. it's for the people act. Man. Oh, yeah. It's I, for I, the people. How can you be against something that is for the people? If you are, then you're just a tyrannical overlord. That's true. Yeah. And you hate democracy, and you'll vote against it That's, <laughs> every time. Honestly, man, when you say it that way, it makes perfect sense. Doesn't it? Yeah. See? Yeah. Now you get it. It's, now I get it. It's for the people. You can't <laughs> vote against something that's for the people. Okay. If you don't vote for the people, then you're obviously voting against the people. Man. Who the, do you think there's like a whole business of just naming oh, these bills? I like bet. there's just companies that do Consultants this. Consultants that all make a thousand dollars an hour. Yeah. Just naming the just, bills stuff that you can't be against. Just in a room. They're all just in a room throwing out names. The CARES Act. Boy, you don't care? The American Rescue Plan. Well, you don't want to rescue America? The Patriot Act. Oh, you're not a patriot? You're not a patriot? Come on. <laughs> the Freedom Man. Act. Oh, you don't believe in freedom? You must be a terrorist. <laughs> oh, they're so good at this. All right, y'all. This coming from Reason. What's oh, another win? We have a couple wins here in a row, by the way. Yeah, yeah, some good wins. Hilarious articles, though, about the wins. Yeah. Um, so another good thing coming from the Supreme Court as much as they just issue opinions anyway, and I don't really think they have much power. Uh, you know, it's always good when they do rule in our favor. So that's coming from Reason Magazine. SCOTUS, the Supreme Court of the United States, refuses, quote, to print a new permission slip for entering the home without a warrant. So this is good news. In California v. Lang in 2019, the California Court of Appeals held that a police officer may always enter a suspect's home without a warrant if the officer is in, quote, hot pursuit of the suspect and has probable cause to believe that the suspect has committed a misdemeanor. Just a misdemeanor. You need probable cause to believe that the suspect has committed a misdemeanor and it can't be a cold pursuit. No, it's hot. It's got to be a hot one. Yeah. Today, in an important win for Fourth Amendment advocates, the U.S. Supreme Court overturned that ruling. Quote, we are not eager more the reverse so they're they're begrudgingly against it or not begrudgingly against it they're they're enthusiastically uh, against it enthusiastically <laughs> against it they're not they're not eager to print a, a new permission slip for entering the home without a warrant so uh declared justice elena kagan in lang v california the case originated when arthur gregory lang drew the attention of a california highway patrol officer for honking his horn and playing his car stereo at a loud volume, both of which are traffic infarctions, infractions at worst. They're also infarctions, okay? That's one that gets really jammed up. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, no yeah. one's, that's a standstill. That's a blockage. I, had a, I was in a bunch of traffic infarctions on, on my way yeah. to Illinois last week, exactly. actually. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you know, when you honk your horn and you play your car at stereo at a loud volume, those are traffic infractions and infarctions. The officer followed Lang's car and ultimately switched on his overhead lights just a few seconds before Lang pulled into his own driveway. Lang, who says he never saw the officer's lights in his rearview mirror. <laughs> what had happened was... Entered I his was... driveway and pulled into his garage. 
I get to see the lights. I get to see. They said he turned it's on possible. his lights only a few seconds before he turned in his driveway, and he went in the garage, and mm-hmm. so he just didn't see it. I don't know. The officer quickly parked, exited his vehicle, stuck his foot under the garage door to prevent it from closing, and performed a search without a warrant. The state of California has, quote, argued that the pursuit of a suspected misdemeanant, 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 <laughs> always qualifies as an extingent circumstance authorizing a warrantless home injury. Always. Always. It always does. Kagan, uh, Kagan observed in her majority opinion, which was joined in full by Justices Stephen Breyer, Sonia Sotomayor, Neil Gorsuch, Brett Kavanaugh, and Amy Coney Barrett. A bunch of savages <laughs> all on the court. But that sweeping argument, Kagan declared, ran afoul of both SCOTUS precedent and the Fourth Amendment's common law roots. Quote, when the totality of circumstances shows an emergency, such as imminent harm to others, Kagan observed, the police may act without waiting. But when the nature, which is just what they're going to do from now on, mm-hmm. it's like, I thought someone was in danger. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, the car was smoking at the same time. Like, I don't know where it came from, but it was smoking. I thought it might <laughs> blow up in his house. So I had to run in. Um, but when the nature of the crime, this is a quote still from the opinion, the nature of the flight and surrounding facts present no such ex- um, exigency. 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 Whatever. You know the thing. Officers must respect the sanctity of the home, which means they must get a warrant. Huh. The Fourth Amendment's common law origins point to the same result, Kagan continued, quote, to enter a man's house without a proper warrant, Lord Chief Justice Pratt proclaimed in 1763 is to attack, quote, the liberty of the subject and to, quote, destroy the liberty of the kingdom. Mm. She wrote, quoting from a uh, British common law judgment. That was the idea behind the Fourth Amendment. It's also the idea, uh, I, I think, was long before that, but also the idea came from the colonies having their homes searched mm-hmm. by the British mm-hmm. soldiers. Um, I wish people still talk like that, by the way. To enter a man's house... Without a proper to warrant. A- to attack the liberty of a subject and destroy the liberty of the kingdom. Mm -hmm. Mm. quote on many occasions the officer will have good reason to enter to prevent imminent harms of violence destruction (laughs) of evidence or escape from the home destruction (laughs) of evidence escape blah 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 so they'll just use all that now quote but when the officer has time to get a warrant he must do so even though the misdemeanant fled so that's a win it is a win yeah i feel like she added extra things in her opinion though that just gave them ideas not that they Mm -hmm. wouldn't come up with them on their own anyway but it kind of sets the precedent now that if, hey, police, if you're going to do this, you have to, it here's, has to be for good reason. Here's the reason. And I'm going to tell you the us. good reasons to give us <laughs> right here. Yeah. That, that's what you need to cite on your police report. Okay. And then we could have upheld this ruling, but instead we have to overturn it because you put a dumb reason on there. So <laughs> here's a list of reasons we will allow. I'll look the other way while you're writing them down. <laughs> Just like, I mean, eh, whatever there was, you know, when you get arrested for certain things, they'll just put, they'll literally put key, basically keywords mm-hmm. on there because it's, they, they know it'll be held up in court if they, if they put those certain keywords, right? Yeah. So like if you get pulled over for drinking and driving, they'll put like, uh, you know, they smelled alcohol. They, uh, you, you appeared to have dry mouth and your, your eyes were slow to catch up. 
and you had tr- slurring, you were slurring your words, mm-hmm. slurring your words. You might as well have it printed on the thing and just check boxes and off just, of it exactly. as you're going. Yeah. Right. So they put those certain keywords on there because they know that they'll hold up in court. And that's, that's what they do. And, and unfortunately, Kagan was giving them the answers of what we would see as good reasons to but violate your Fourth Amendment still. Hopefully we'll see just a little bit of a decrease in the power of the government overall with this a little bit uh, a, a little bit of a decrease in the amount of times they can invade your space and and take away some of your liberties so now they're gonna have to wait and get a warrant and you know one thing that might happen with this is they might just say well the guy made it to his house i guess i'm just gonna go home now uh because i really don't want to wait for a warrant to go in here and because the freaking guy had his music turned up too loud you know i'm not gonna mm-hmm. mess with this i just got another call i gotta go so maybe we'll have some of these frivolous infarctions taken away yeah that's right <laughs> okay me from- too amanda that would be a great job just to issue opinions lifetime tenure yeah country club access you country talk- club access. <laughs> to talk to whoever you want they probably got their own golf course probably you, know, you can't have other people on your golf course probably get invited to augusta you know because <laughs> because you're a supreme court you just need a nine hole golf course and they each start on different holes at the same time <laughs> that's right <laughs> I wonder who gets to play through. Kavanaugh's <laughs> just running through that thing. <laughs> Drunk, drinking Bud Light. All right, anyway, I don't even know what we're talking about right now. Touching the cart, girl. From Fee. <laughs> I wasn't going to go there, but you did. Yeah. Uh, From Fee. Jokes. I love jokes. And Mr. Brad Palumbo. This is a good story, and I've had this story in the bottom of the stack for a while. Not this one, but one I'm going to attach to it. I've had this story... It doesn't sound interesting, but it's a story about capitalism. It's actually a story about hearing aids, but it's a story about capitalism, and it's really great. But to kick that off, we got to talk a little bit about Medicare and what the lawmakers are doing right now to try and uh, expand Medicare right now. So Brad says, progressive lawmakers are working on a backdoor plan to take us one step closer to socialist health care. So how are they doing that? Bipartisan talks over compromise spending legislation are ongoing in Congress, but the prospects of the two parties reaching a compromise aren't exactly bright. So, progressive lawmakers in Washington are already planning a $6 trillion spending bonanza that they will try to push through on a party-line vote if or when bipartisan talks hit a roadblock. Including this plan is a big expansion of government health care. Quote from Fox Business, The package which Democrats could pass on a party-line vote using their slimmest possible Senate majority, includes other Democratic goals such as lowering Medicare's eligibility age from 65 to 55, or, or 60, whatever age they end up settling on, and expanding the program to cover dental work, glasses, and eye surgeries, as well as hearing aids. The thing about hearing aids is important because I've been wanting to put some of these tweets from Bernie Sanders in here for a while because he has been going crazy about hearing aids lately. Really? Just been talking about how seniors need hearing aids to be covered by Medicare. And we can have that's that. That's why they voted for Trump, because they couldn't hear properly. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. He's always saying, let's be clear. And he realizes a lot of people just aren't hearing them. Yeah. You know, that's what actually why, that's actually why the Democrats don't get as much of the older vote. Let me be clear. Because they don't have the hearing age. Yeah. Let me be clear. <clears throat> so. I pay the taxes that I owe. So he, um. He's been going on and on about this and how we need to cover hearing aids because they're so expensive and people can't afford them. Anyway, I'm going to get to more, to more of that here in a sec. Also, isn't life expectancy like in the hundreds now? <laughs> it's getting up there. 
So it's like, what is going on here? We're going to lower the age? It seems like it should be going the other way. Yeah, we should raise the age. But here's why they're doing it, because it's going to bring 14 million people into government-run health care whenever they do this. So it says, this sounds like a small tweak to Medicare, but a massive government health care program for the massive government program uh, for senior citizens, but lowering the age to 60 is actually a move with drastic ramifications. This represents a significant step towards the socialist dream of government-run health care for all. According to the Kaiser Family Foundation, lowering Medicare eligibility to 60 could lead to up to 14 million people being shifted from private health insurance onto the government plan. You uh, have to t- get on Medicare? Like you uh, have to do it? I don't. Well, I think that's why they say could lead to it. I don't think you okay. have to, but why? I mean, when you're at that age. I don't know. Like, I don't know Medicare. Why so wouldn't you? you know? help me. As flawed as our crony, highly regulated healthcare system may be, the preservation of some degree of profit motive due to the remaining private sector is why we have one of the most innovative healthcare systems in the world. As the Washington Examiner's Tiana Lowe explains, the United States compromises 4.4% of the world's population, but we, but we produce 44% of the world's medical research and development. This is not a coincidence. Of the $171 billion we spend on R&D, the federal government contributes just one-fifth of that, with private industry footing the overwhelming majority of the bill. Meanwhile, shifting everyone onto the government's health care would eventually require more than doubling federal income and corporate taxes. And that's a conservative estimate. And even then, healthcare shortages and rationing are sure to ensue. Mm. This would not be a good thing. And we know that we know what Medicare did to the price of healthcare, just giving it to people over sixty-five. It you can look you can look at a chart of the price of healthcare and just look at where it spikes up all of a sudden. That's where Medicare came in. That's where a lot of people got in on the good news. Because when you introduce the government paying for things then the prices are going to go up. That's just what's going to happen. So there's a lot of really bad things that can come from putting 14 million more people on the Medicare. That's less medications available, less new things. You know, I've said this a little bit before, but uh, someone close to me works at a place that is very good at innovation and trying to solve things. And they actually came up with a way to solve a very dire problem that kills a lot of people. But the problem was it was very expensive. For, for them to do. There's so much R&D that went into it. There's so many doctors associated with it. There's new medical equipment associated with it. But they could do it as long as, uh, as, long as someone could pay like $200,000 for it or whatever it was. Well, they got, the, they got the numbers back from the government. And the government says that they'll only pay fifty grand for it. So you know what they did? They canceled the entire program. Gone. That's, that's it. So, that, I mean, these things actually do matter. There are innovations that are being held back because they are going to set these arbitrary rules on what they'll pay. And if it's less than what it costs the place to actually uh, give the medication or the treatment or whatever it is, then they're just not going to do it. Mm-hmm. It just ain't going to happen, man. Yeah, and that's, and that's the things that you're not going to hear about, by the yeah. way. No, you're, it's the thing that the I'm public not, doesn't have I'm not supposed to say that. information to. She actually told me several times, don't talk about this on your podcast. She, yeah. I say she, I'm not even saying it was a she, it was someone close to me said this someone you know someone i know of, of someone you know they know yeah and they knew someone too and they told me about this yeah mm-hmm. anyway but this kind of thing happens all the time mm-hmm. you know and if it <laughs> see that's the thing that most people don't realize in in a market is that if it's too close or if it, if it costs too much then they just scrap the whole thing it's not worth it yeah it wouldn't be worth it because 
then you're just, then you don't have a business anymore. You know, it's, it's like, um, I was working at this, uh, company and the owner of the company is he's like the richest man in Tennessee worth like 8 billion. And one of my coworkers was like, ah, oh, I wish he would share the wealth. And I'm like, you have a job paying you six figures a year. <laughs> like he does share the wealth. Yeah. He doesn't keep all of it. Obviously like you're getting paid every single year. By the way, something so, that Amanda just said. Did you guys watch the Joe Rogan episode talking about uh, the uh, ivermectin? I don't know what that is. Man, it's crazy. The, he just did a new episode with, uh, was it Brett? Uh, Brett Weinstein and uh, this doctor, I can't remember his name. And the whole thing was talking about this ivermectin that they've got, I think, 24 trials they set on. So this is something from the 70s that no one holds the patent on, by the way. And it's very cheap to make. And apparently this is so important that Joe Rogan did what he called an emergency podcast. Brett Weinstein called them so they could talk about this ivermectin because they've got all these studies showing how effective it is against COVID. Not only as a prophylactic, but also uh, while people have it. And I mean, by, by effective, I mean, they had this trial group of frontline healthcare workers. I think there were 800 of them. And of the half that got the, the uh, I'm going to mess up some of the numbers, I'm sure. But of the half that got the ivermectin, none of them got COVID. Of the other half that didn't take the ivermectin, 57% of them got COVID. Wow. Of the half that had it, none of them got it. It's, it's really crazy. I mean, the numbers on the thing are ridiculous. But the issue is, and they talked a lot about the profit motive and government and corporations and the FDA and all that. Uh, it's very, go, go watch or listen to the Joe Rogan episode on this because it is, it is compelling. It, it is actually really, really crazy. Yeah, and YouTube's killed the videos about it. Uh, the podcasts about it have been taken down. I'm interested in seeing what happens to Joe Rogan's podcast about it. But I don't know a whole, I didn't read up on it. I'm just basically paraphrasing what I heard on the podcast episode. But it, I'll say it like this. It sounds like there is actually a solution to the problem. And I mean like a total solution to the problem. And it's been completely ignored. One of the responses they Blacklisted. got. Blacklisted. One of the responses they got was that they weren't going to, they didn't trust it because all the studies had been positive on it. And they said that never happens. And so they thought that there was something wrong. <laughs> That's actually how good the thing's done. They're like, <laughs> all the studies have been positive on it, so we can't trust this. this is, it's crazy. This is too good. Anyway, I don't want to come off sounding like That's one of That's one of those people. things that are too good to be true, man. I know, I know. It's, yeah, so we, I don't want to get... One, one of the FDA guys was just like, hey, my mama told me one time... <laughs> If things too good to be true, they probably eat too big to be true. So <laughs> we can't approve this now. But you go put that put that back where you got it. All right. Um, we don't believe in it. The one thing. So I had a cool capitalism story about the hearing aids. By the way, I've been I've had this saved in here for a while. This this is attached to the previous what we're talking about. We need to cover for more people, and we need to make sure that Medicare is covering hearing aids. Well, it turns out hearing aids are getting a whole lot cheaper because of a couple things that have happened. Right here. So this is one of these good things about capitalism that you need to know about. This is from Market Watch. Hearing aid, and the only reason I'm doing two in a row here is because it's attached to the same one. And I've been, hey, that's fine I've been me, man. reading this one for like two weeks in the stack now. Hearing aids are about to become way cooler. New lower cost devices should shake up the industry. So what happened here? Hearing aids, the main way to treat age-related hearing loss, are expensive. On top of that, people don't want to wear them. 
But all that could change as technology advances and over-the-counter versions made by companies like Apple and Bose soon, uh, uh, shake that up. Shake up that their market right there. And the market is growing as boomers' hearing starts to fade. Hearing loss affects about one in three people between 65 and 74, nearly half of those older than 75, NIH statistics show. The stigma associated with wearing hearing aids and the cost, as much as $8,000 for a top-of-the-line pair, are holding people back. Now, those numbers are important because that's what I've seen Bernie Sanders tweeting about all the time, is how hearing aids cost $8,000 and people can't get them, so now they can't hear good. That could be about to change. Congress passed legislation in 2017 allowing manufacturers to sell hearing aids directly to consumers without a prescription from an audiologist, and the U.S. Food and Drug Administration is expected to issue draft regulations on safety and effectiveness in the next year or so. So one of the big things that changed was that they're now allowing the manufacturers to sell directly to the consumers without having to go through a doctor uh, whatsoever. Already, companies are releasing earbuds that boost or filter sounds, and hearing aid manufacturers are refining their offerings. And now there's more affordable options. The Apple AirPods, while not hearing aids, have a transparency mode that lets users adjust the amplification settings. And there are settings on Apple devices that allow customized audio settings. The AirPods Pro version retails for $250. Okay, we're talking about eight grand for a top-of-the-line hearing aids. The AirPods coming for $250 right there. Bose said it recently released $849 sound control hearing aids are the first to be cleared by the FDA for direct sale to consumers. And so that's $849 is also a lot cheaper than the thousands of dollars that people have been having to pay. The big barriers to hearing aid acceptance are price, complexity of access, and the stigma. So people are worried about what they look like. But now that you have things from Bose and you have things like Apple AirPods and all that, people are starting to wear them as hearing aids. Okay, so when I see stuff like what Bernie Sanders, all Bernie Sanders can see is that the government needs to come in and solve a problem. That's what he thinks. There is a problem. These things are too expensive. The only way that we can solve this is if I take money from you and then I use your money to pay for this expensive thing for people. That's the only thing that we can do to solve this problem. But what we're seeing is it took one little thing from the government which said that manufacturers can sell things as hearing aids directly to consumers without needing the prescription for it. And then you also have options like these AirPods and all that that can also work as hearing aids for people if they want I to have, use them. I have the AirPods Pro, and I can tell you on transparency mm. mode, it, everything is boosted. Yeah. And that's because they have mics, by the way. Did you know that? That's how, that's how cancellation works. Well, they have mics because you use them for talking, so I assume they have mics. Well, but also that's how noise cancellation works. Noise hmm. cancellation works by taking, what it does is there's mics um, on the phone, little tiny mics. They take in the ambient noise around, and pretty quickly what it does is it, it creates an inverted wave of that same wave that the, the audio wave that the ambient noise is making. It creates an invert wave. An inverted wave to match that and it essentially cancels out that wave mm. it's pretty cool and so that's how noise cancellation proper noise cancellation works and so um because apple airpods have that well they also you can turn off the cancellation part of it so it doesn't create that inverted wave and you just have the transparency of the what the mic is picking up of the ambient noise yeah hmm. i just thought there's a really cool story of it's amazing of capitalism coming together to solve a problem in the pursuit of profit 
but actually doing this without needing to just steal money from people and pay thousands of dollars for hearing aids for people. And you see this problem slowly being solved. And guess what? Right around the time that the government finally gets around to saying that they're going to pay for it, that, that, that's when capitalism is already solving the problem. Yeah. It's, it's already happening. So I and like also, seeing stuff like this. Bose could probably release theirs for 549 instead of 849, but yeah. they're doing it because they're calling them hearing aids. Yep. At the end, it says that uh, insurance may not cover over-the-counter hearing aids, but look, guys, if you're paying 10% of $8,000, that's 800 bucks anyway. Well, see, so, Bose, theirs are FDA approved, so I bet you insurance does cover those, which is why they're 849 instead of 250 like the Apple AirPods. And you're paying <laughs> for the cost to get the FDA approval, all yeah, the paperwork, all, that. all the people you had to get, all the meetings, all of that. It all costs money, folks. Yep. Yep, yep. And money don't grow on the ground around your carrots. <laughs> yeah. One last thing here, Charlie. Tell everyone about this funny story. Well, let's see if everyone remembers. You want to play the video first or after? Um, let's play it. Yeah, let's, let's play it. Let's go ahead and play it. Yeah, just to give you guys a refresher. You need a quick refresher. I'm excited about this. On our great uh, president <laughs> from, from the previous one. Dated impossible restrictions on energy production. And I see again the forest fires are starting. Starting again in California. I said, you got to clean your floors. You got to clean your forests. <laughs> they have many, many years of leaves and broken trees. And they're like, like so flammable. You touch them and it goes up. <laughs> I've been telling them this now for three years, but they don't want to listen. The environment, the environment. But they have massive fires again in California. Maybe we're just going to have to make them pay for it because they don't listen to us. We say you got to get rid of the leaves, you got to get rid of the debris, you got to get rid of the fallen trees. You know, when a tree falls, after 13 to 14 months, it becomes extremely dry. You look at some of these fires, they don't really catch where the trees are growing because they're wet. The water's pouring up the tree. And uh, <laughs> they just don't want to listen. I, they mocked us when I. The water's I, pouring up the tree. <laughs> I, I didn't want to play that much of it, but how do you turn that off? I don't know. <laughs> we just need to go back for fun and listen to I some old Trump stuff. I'm so enlightened. <laughs> yeah. You got to clean your floors, folks. So anyway, coming from the Daily Mail, California will spend $500 million this year to thin its 33 million acres of forest to lessen the chance of wildfires. Huh. You don't say. Weird. They're taking his advice, I think. California is adopting former Donald, uh, former Donald Trump's plan. Former Donald Trump. Just former Donald used, Trump. He's he no longer. Yeah. His plan to thin out the state's 33 million acres of forest with controlled burns and raking the woodland floor or their florist. Mm -hmm. I don't know. <laughs> After state officials essentially laughed off the former president's idea a few years ago. And this just sends state officials say that they're like so flammable. Yeah. Now, California is putting Trump's plan into practice statewide as groups of 12-person crews set about a $500 million effort to thin the state's forest with controlled burns and sweeping the forest floors of <laughs> pines, redwoods, and firs, according to a recent Bloomberg report. I see again the forest fires are starting, Trump said at a 2020 rally in Pennsylvania. They're starting again in California. I said, you got to clean your floors. You got to clean your forest. Oh, they said forest here, but forest yeah. sounds way better. <laughs> there are many, many years of leaves and broken trees, and they're like, like so flammable, you touch them and it just goes up. <laughs> just, 
and the water the water pours up the trees. The water's that's, pouring up that's the trees. Not, oh. but that's why they're not flammable. Oh, my predecessor. Yeah. Oh, God, I miss it. Anyway, them. guys, forest fires have been happening for such a long time. It's, it's, it's before humans, by the way. Because this is, if you don't clean out the debris, then it is going to cause forest fires. Yeah. Um, my mom actually worked for the Forest Service back in the day. She was, she was Smokey the Bear for a while. I forgot about that. Yeah. And she said that their job back in the 70s was to clean out the florist. That they, they did florist sweeps all the time. <laughs> because if not, then you have the, the, the chance of having a wildfire is pretty high. But that's, it's a natural progression of life. It's the circle of life, folks. Mm-hmm. Things die. They have to burn up and create a new. The only thing different about this is now people live people in live the forest. There. And so we, listen, I don't like death and I don't like destruction of property or anything like that. But um, now that we have people in the forest, we look at forest fires as a, as a bad thing. But this is something that just happens all the time and it's always been happening. But I mean, just Amanda says this sounds like a poem. <laughs> it does. <laughs> I, hey, you know, chalk that up as a W for for uh, the old president right there, former president. You oh, know, I'm he was missing. right. Everyone was giving him so much hell after that. That even made our dumb bleep, but it was because of the florist. Do you have the um, the audio, the predecessor? Oh, I miss him. Oh, I've got it in here. Yeah, yeah, it's in there. It, it's it's in here right now. I don't yeah. know where it is. Let me we got to find it. I said I need to, needed to, <laughs> my predecessor. Oh, God, I miss him. <laughs> I should have played that we right after that clip. We do, too, Joe. Yeah. We do, too. <laughs> it's, everything was a lot more comical back then. It's still pretty comical today, though. Yeah. So, anyway, if you guys enjoyed today's show, which I know you did, hit that subscribe button, as we told you to do at the very beginning. I don't know why you waited so long. Perhaps it's your first episode, and you're wondering how awesome this show was going to be, and now you found out about it. So hit that subscribe button or follow button on Spotify. Leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. God, those reviews are coming in hot. And uh, we love them. And that helps with the charts and the algorithms. More people find the show. More people find out about liberty. More people will start to change the world. It starts in the grassroots, folks. You're part of it here with us at Good Morning Liberty. If you're interested in trading, go to mastermystonks.com. That's all I'll say about that. The market was hot today. Mm. We had a good day on the trading in the trading zone. Love that money. Mm-hmm. So mastermystonks.com if you want to do that. If you do all of those things, share the show with your friends and your enemies, your house and your spouse and the children. If you guys do all that, we'll be back again tomorrow. Hope you have a good day and a good morning. Liberty. Liberty. <laughs>